Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today I have Roberto Rojas. He is a Paraguayan American multimedia journalist who's work currently working at let's see if I do this right, the zone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and we connected obviously because I'm also Paraguayan American, I'm Ariwaya. And um, fun fact, he went to Sacred Heart University and I went to Fairfield University, low-key rivals. <laughs> <laughs> which we can talk about not really rivalry because I don't even think they play against each other but um, there's this running joke between the two schools that they low-key don't like each other but um, that's how we connected and he uh, majored in communications and media arts in his undergrad and he did a two-year master's program in broadcast journalism so he's here to talk about being first gen first generation Paraguayan American we'll talk about those layers which are different I think from being typical Latino or Latina because Paraguay is such a small country and rarely people know about it so we we talk a lot about that within the Paraguayan American community so I'm excited to kind of share that on this platform on this podcast if you're new around here I am Paraguayan American first gen um, and he also has his own podcast called What Any Vision which talks about um the selection right the paraguayan um soccer team but also in general sports um and soccer and we just finished the world cup i think a month ago maybe now um so we can chat a little bit about that because we both really like soccer and he's also really big on twitter so <laughs> if you want to hear roberto's antics like make sure you follow him on twitter and social media <laughs> on instagram as well so Welcome. That's your little intro. Is there anything you would like to add before we dive into all these fun topics? Oh my God, where to begin? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's it's quite an honor. Um, I'm just trying to go through if there's anything that has that's changed over the last few weeks. Uh, I, I guess the only good thing, well, not even good thing, but I think you would say just because I was able to get out of here uh, during the Christmas break, I was able to go to Paraguay, but I did not happen to be very happy of coming back with the sunburn for a good week uh, after I came back from Paraguay. But that's that's literally the what you're really expecting to. That's kind of my um, my two cents of what Paraguay gives to you. So I don't want to like scare anyone and say, oh, anytime you go to Paraguay, you're going to get a sunburn. But uh, yeah, stay protected if you uh, go there. But no, glad to be here. Glad to obviously tell my story, talk about what I've been doing in my career and and yeah, just have a little fun with it. I'm really excited about this. Yeah. Talk to us a little about what you do now at DAZONE. But you also worked at NBC, right? NBC Sports? Yep. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, so talk obviously, us through I how you got to NBC, then DAZONE, and just like all this Twitter antics. He's verified, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to sign autographs now. Um, no, but... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, it's 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 been quite an amazing journey, like for me, like honestly, like I don't even expect it, like even to myself, like how much I've achieved so far in quite a short amount of time. And you know, I'm not trying to say that to be like humble or anything, but like it, it really has been like really surprising. Like you know, I was like a lot of the kids that kind of grown up in this kind of area, you know, growing into sports. Like obviously, I'm Paraguayan American, like I mentioned, so obviously, soccer was always the sport that. I've kind of always gotten myself into. Um, usually it always goes one or two ways. One, you're good enough to achieve the dreams of your parents to go pro or at least, you know, try to do that. Or you don't do that, which unfortunately happens to the majority of us. Unfortunately, <laughs> there hasn't been a professional Paraguayan American that's played in, in a big league yet. But uh, hopefully that does come very soon. But mm. some people opt in a different manner. And as for myself, like, you know, I always like like to always go back to around this time, actually. Like, you know, we spoke before 
we um, got in the air, like really just what I wanted to do with my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was around the time where I was a junior. I was like, uh, yeah, like, a no, a sophomore. I was a sophomore in, in high school, you know, probably wasn't going to be a professional soccer player. Like that was always been my dream, the dreams of my parents and, you know, <laughs> wanted me to do something that wanted me to be a lawyer and a doctor, like any other Latino yeah. would want their, their kids to, but I opted to, to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go to try to go pro didn't work out. I guess I apparently didn't have the talent to do so, but I guess like I've always had a fascination of working in media. Like I always grown up, like just, you know, watching, you know, be it on ESPN, like sports center or watching shows on Unision, Telemundo, um, CNN, you know, in, in both languages. I mean, obviously growing up bilingual, it kind of helped me really go into that kind of, you know, sphere of being able to get the perspectives of both worlds, not just being here in the United States, but also what's going on around the world, you know, in your own community in, in Latin America as a whole. And that's kind of really, that, that really shapes up, shapes you up as a person. I've, I've realized that now. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of been what I wanted to do. I felt like if I wasn't going to be a pro, I might as well opt into trying to work in the media. Mm-hmm. What it was going to be, I didn't know. I mean, obviously, you know, my, my college career has kind of gone through so many different like experience of learning you know, how to work in camera, how to be on camera, working in a production room, you know, you know, working on podcasts like this one, working on video or or just radio or television, anything like that. You know, it's, it's kind of been me wearing a bunch of different hats. And, you know, eventually I was able to go to Sacred Heart to basically learn about how that all works, kind of really shape me up as a person. And of course, you know, try to do a bunch of things on the side as well. And I'll get to that in a bit. But like, you know, for me, I think I just wanted to just demonstrate why I was useful to, you know, be different than everyone else. You know, everyone wants to be in, you know, journalism and everyone wants to be on TV, but sometimes people don't know how hard it can be. So I think just for myself and just coming from the background that I came, I knew like I had something that I felt was going to be useful, whether or not I was able to put that into practice is a whole different story. But, you know, I was... I was proactive. I was passionate. I, you know, obviously had some adversity here and there, like anyone else would in this kind of, you know, job searching, doesn't matter what career you're in, but there is that kind of adversity that gets to you. And sometimes, you know, it it can affect you. It could say, oh, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Um, Will I ever make it here? Will I ever even achieve the dreams of what my of my, my parents want? Because sometimes like, you know, that kind of pressure goes into you of like wanting to be, you know, what your parents weren't able to do or be more successful than they have because of the sacrifices that they made to come to this country. So it was kind of like a bit of self-doubt as well. But, you know, I stood by, I continued to do what I do. Um, Thankfully, I was able to get a bachelor's and a master's, the first in my family to get one, to go to college, first of all, and then to get degrees in both bachelor's and master's. So I've already achieved their expectations and exceeded it tenfold. And then I just got on with my career. You know, I started out last year working at um, well, two a year and a half, actually, at NBC Sports, working as a production assistant, working on the Premier League, you know, getting an idea of what really is uh, working on a television program, working in a, in a studio, working with talent, working with producers, writers, directors, researchers, all those kind of things. And it was a good learning experience for me. I figured it was something that I really enjoyed. And, you know, now I'm kind of doing something a bit different, which I felt like could give me a bit more creativity and and kind of going back to the roots of what I've always wanted to do, or at least what I've always strived to do was to be creative, be my own self, you know, not be too tied down in a way, if you get what I'm saying. And, you know, Mm -hmm. now working as a social media 
editor or producer or just community manager, whatever you say at the zone, it allows me to be a bit more creative, a bit more outgoing, not really having the restrictions as one would have maybe at a major company like NBC. I'm, I'm grateful for the experiences I've had there. But now at the zone, I'm grateful that now I can, you know, be a bit more open in what I can do, be more creative and, and just go from there. And so, yeah, like I said, I think my career, at least my life in the last few years since going to college to now, it's just been a a whirlwind of so many different like experiences, wearing a lot of different hats and, and just trying to adapt to it as I continue on in, in my career. I love that. It's figuring out where you want to learn, but also how you'd evolve creatively and making that part of your journey and your career. Um, I know you mentioned a lot of support and um, honoring what your parents came to the United States for. Um, how would you define first generation outside of the textbook definition, since you did say you're the first in your family to get an undergrad and then a master's degree? Yeah, it, it's kind of an interesting definition because I think everyone's um, experiences, you know, being first gen is so different. You know, mm -hmm. I think beyond that, it doesn't matter what country you're from. You could be from the most developed country in the world and be the first, you know, uh, kid to go to your to your um, to go to college or, or to achieve something that your parents couldn't do. Or you can, you know, come from a family that's kind of lived like through dictatorships or wars or something mm -hmm. like that. I kind of define it as really just, you know, like I said beforehand, sacrifice. I think, you know, a lot of, and this is something that I've always been passionate about, like to talk about is how, you know, there's so many parents and so many people that, you know, they see the United States as, you know, this kind of, an, I could talk this from, from a Paraguayan perspective, because they kind of see this as kind of a, of a new opening, the American dream, you know, that's something that's always been sold on to so many people around the world, because they think that they can do you know, if they go here and if they can do what they need to do, then they can achieve what they want to do that they probably weren't able to do in their native country. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> parents have been here now 30 years, you know, they're citizens, they basically uh, gave birth to a kid, grew him up in a in an American environment, but also obviously with Paraguayan uh, roots and, and customs and being able to understand what it's like to, to be Paraguayan, you know, like myself, like growing up in a in an environment where I spoke Spanish, you know, I was able, I had the fortune that, you know, maybe not a lot of people in, maybe not just a bear way, but I think people that come from that kind of background are not able to, but to go back to their country, to visit their family, to figure out what it's like. I've had the opportunity for nearly 25 years um, to go to Paraguay almost every year, basically. And just, you know, continue to learn about it, to continue to learn about what it's like to be that. And and sometimes, you know, I, I just came back from a trip literally, literally a month ago. And, you know, sometimes you don't really think of that as a kid. You, you just go there and think, oh, it's a vacation. I get to go and hang out with my with my cousins or I like to go and just go to like, I remember like when I was little, my cousin, he's um he's five years older than me, but he was the one that I always grew up with every time I went when I was a kid or a teenager right before I like kind of like used Twitter to like basically um, network and, and meet other people and, and with my career as well. Back then, it was always just going out with my friend with my cousin to like the shopping mall or this arcade or or something <laughs> and and or play like on the Game Boy and like that kind of stuff and then you know once you get a bit older and you kind of have a better perspective of the world and you're being able to improve of it you see like some of the stuff that you know maybe you take it as kind of a not a joke but kind of like interesting and quirky of like seeing like i don't know like kids you know selling fruits on the streets or people doing like tricks to get money like sometimes you think oh my god that's so cool and you don't you don't see that here in the states 
But then once you get older, you're just thinking to yourself, okay, wait, these are like things that people sacrifice. And, you know, I, I even spoke to, to my parents about it and they said like, yeah, they were, they were in that kind of environment. Like they did that. They grew up poor. They, they needed to bring, they needed to, you know, do stuff where they had to sell fruit on the streets to, to pay for their books, to go to school, you know? So yeah, it's just remembering where you come from, remembering where you, you kind of understand that, yeah, you've had all this fortune of, of, um, not glitz and glamour, obviously, but like being able to be in a, in a way that, you know, your parents would dream of being able to live um, for you to get that perspective and to understand and to see where you come from. I think that's what it means to be first gen is to understand what it is that shapes you as a person, but also like to understand, like, you know, you have to go back in time. You have to learn about history, understand that, you know, these were the sacrifices that was, that was made. It all started basically when, you know, that little kid was selling fruit. Um, on the street and now going in and seeing their their child in a different country go to college and start their career and doing what they love. I mean, it, it's it's that kind of journey. And yeah, it, it it really gives you into perspective and really just makes you think about what it means to be first gen. Absolutely. Like uh, processing their lived experiences. I often ask my parents or like my aunt and uncle who have come to the U.S. like, did you think about coming? Did you dream about it? What was the thought process? Or did you just like seize the opportunity and come and like make the best of it and realizing connecting the dots backwards, they like bought houses, bought cars, like found jobs existed in a space that maybe they didn't learn the language right away. I mean, mm -hmm. now they speak English, my parents at least do, but well, my dad a little bit, but um, mm -hmm. my mom definitely does. So it's interesting to see their journey come here and process that when maybe they didn't have all the resources and the tools that we have. Um, it's really remarkable to see how much has been accomplished in these 30 years that they've been living here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, it's something that, you know, obviously, you know, there wasn't, this was pre-social media, pre-internet, right. basically. <laughs> pre, so like, it's like, phones, it literally like everything. Yeah. Imagine having to use WhatsApp to talk to someone in like the nineties. It'd be a whole yeah. different world now. Imagine how advanced we would be right now, right. but no, it's, it's a whole different time. It's a different landscape and hell, maybe it was even harder back then than yeah. it is now. I think it, I think for a lot of people that maybe want to make that like journey, you know, it's kind of easier. Yeah. It's very difficult for anyone to immigrate and, and to do that, but they have the resources. They, they can connect to anyone via social media and, and to really just be able to, to use that to say, Hey, you know, I want to do this. I want to meet someone there or, you know, I want to work there. It's like, it's, you hear about these countless stories on social media about, people who make that jump and you know it's risky you know sometimes it doesn't it's not a a foolproof plan that just goes in and you know you're going to achieve this if you follow the steps but you know it's it's not like that sometimes but also when it does happen you think to yourself wow that what I did was incredible and I'm so happy that I was able to do it and I just hope that maybe others can also follow my example as well yeah, absolutely. And we always talk about within the Paraguayan community, our um, like favorite foods and favorite teams. So are you team Cerro, Porteño or Olimpia? And then are you team Sopa Paraguaya or team Chipawasu? If you're Paraguayan, you're going to get this. If you're not, I'll leave notes in the comments so you can understand what we're talking about right now. But this is very niche <laughs> content right now. 
<laughs> it is very niche. Yes. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you're directing that question to me so I can answer it. Uh, yes, I am a Setro fan. Um, obviously, I've grown up, you know, that was kind of the first soccer game I've ever been to. Um, mm, that was when I, uh, it was, yeah, it was eight years old, something like that. Yeah, eight, because okay. I would have turned nine that year. I have a late yeah. birthday in December. So that was my first super class. It was my first game. It was a super classical Setro and Olympia playing against each other in in Paraguay oh, wow. and, and from okay. there yeah and from there on I was I just got hooked like you know obviously <laughs> I haven't been following it too much until like recently now with my career and like thinking oh sh like, I really have to follow now them and and to see what they're doing and obviously what I do at Guanani Vision and working on Paraguay soccer kind of has to be like okay now I have to really understand what's been going on but yeah that's that's my team the Soba Paraguayan and the 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 um so uh, the Chihuahuasu was it or in Beijing, yeah, whatever Chihuahuasu, it is? Yeah. Chihuahuasu, yeah, that's that's a whole different thing because I feel like that could be <laughs> something where you like both. So what what happens there? Mm. I mean, I'm, it, it could be a bit different, but like if I had to choose, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it has to be soba paraguaya. Like I have no issues <laughs> with any of the other foods, but if I had to choose one, soba paraguaya all the way. Not, no offense to any Beijing listeners out there, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings or anything. Yeah, but that, I that's just, people that's my thing. People have really strong opinions about this. I, my friend and I have this page called Ameriwayas where we talk about Paraguayan culture, Ameriwaya, what it means to grow up Paraguayan American. And we talk about food all the time because obviously it's the best part about culture. Um, but I always do a poll with Sopa and Chipawasu, and it's always like a contested subject. Like people always DMing me <laughs> about it. Yeah, it's like literally like you could you could talk about. I mean, everyone can argue about like politics or like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the one where you get most heated about. Honestly, yeah. no pun intended. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. And I would also maybe separate Meju and Chipa as like the categories, and Sopa mm. and Chipawasu as the other because they're both in pans. Definitely. Um, but clearly, I think about this often. <laughs> Honestly, like, I'm starting to think that right now. Like, I feel like I need to ask. I haven't even asked my parents about it. I'd like to figure out what they're thinking. Because, like, they've always, like, done both. But I've never yeah, yeah, asked yeah. them, hmm, what do you prefer out of the two? And they're like, well, here's the thing. Like, There's, they, like, they, a they, science like, behind a, it. Watch them, watch them, like, they'll explain in, like, 15 good minutes about, like, why this is good. And then, like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's always been something, like, my parents, like, kind of maybe argued about when they were lit when I was little. It's like, no, you gotta eat this, gotta eat that. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Ooh, that makes me think of um, guiso de arroz or guiso de fideo. <laughs> oh. That's another that's, one. That's a hard one. No, because I, 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 I just had it yesterday, too, which is funny. <laughs> guiso de fideo. But I like them both. Oh, my God. No, don't do, me, don't do this to me. That's, like, that's so hard. <laughs> That's like choosing between your mom or your dad. Yeah, or like oh. milanesa de pollo or milanesa de carne. Like no, that's that, that's easier. That for me is pollo. For me, it's pollo. Honestly, okay, like, okay. I like them both. I like them both. Um, but I would prefer pollo over the other one. But the the guisa de arroz and the guisa fideo. That's that's a bit more contested. Like oh, they're so good on its day. I think. I personally think I'm not I'm not criticizing my parents yeah, for yeah, yeah, books yeah, yeah. or even have I tried to do it. Yeah. I think it just depends how it's done. Like sometimes oh, like yeah. you can eat it. I remember when I was little and I, I, I could tell a story about when I was in Paraguay just now. Yeah. Like usually like my grandma, my, my dad's dad, he's the one, she's the one that always would make the best guisa arroz. Like anytime mm. I would go there, I would say, um, Abuela, can you please make me some guisa arroz? Like <laughs> I would definitely love that anytime I would go to, his, uh, to their um to their uh to their pueblito to their to their house over there in the, the outskirts of paraguay and, and like every time i go there like it's always ready for me and like yeah. it's always like i always get so full because it's so good that you get so stuffed easily like after a while and then she would come up and he's like 
do you want some more? I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> but you haven't even had, you know, the traditional yeah, abuela, yeah, yeah. like, coming, like, oh, are you okay? Is everything all right? And I didn't, like, have, like, no, I'm fine. I'm just so stuffed because it's so good. That's the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I just thought of something and I forgot uh, related to Paraguay, too. Um, oh, well, it'll come back. Yeah. Um, well, something has to, there's always, like, something, like, coming up, like, even, yeah. like, there was always like I'm sure like the the tere mate debate. Oh, that's, that's what I was gonna ask. That's what All I was right, gonna ask. Go. Do you drink you tere? Go. Do you drink mate? So I always drink tere. Like that's always like I think that's always been customary because it's it's our drink. Like everyone like everyone likes to talk about how mate has kind of become popular right now. And yeah, we drink it. And you know, Argentines, Uruguayans, Brazilians, right. and and other people you know they drink it as well right. but i feel like for tere that's ours like no one can take that away from us so yeah. that's why kind of where i've opted about it honestly if i was ha- obviously if i had to choose i'd pick tere between yeah. mate because i don't don't really drink mate i don't feel like it's necessary <laughs> because i feel like i don't know people can drink like coffee or, or something yeah, like tea. that tea yeah it's like and, and mate is like i feel like for some people that drink it like year long i look at them I was like why do you do this? Like, if it's like hot, like anytime I see someone like drinking mate, like, yeah, I get it, it's their like customary thing, but like I see like a Paraguayan like drinking mate at like noon when it's like ninety oh. degrees. I'm like, what are you doing? No, like you should be, be swapping that swap that water to cold, baby. Like, don't don't do be doing that hot stuff. Like, I wouldn't do it. I look, it's like imagine like that. It's like I don't know, but honestly, if it was up to me, da-da-da. and I've yeah. had some over there in Paraguay when I when I was there last month and yeah it's uh so good it never changes even yeah. in pan even in pandemic years when you're like saying oh you shouldn't drink it's like oh, nope yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't change well, it at it, all it's used like with the metal supposedly germs don't transfer with the metal it's, that's all. crazy like imagine having to like tell someone like you know like someone that's not Paraguay yeah we have this drink um but the thing is that you have to share it to everyone and it's like <laughs> wait do you get sick no that's the crazy part you don't get sick I've had it all my life and I've never been sick from it once. Um, it, it, it obviously is a good, um, it, it refreshes you. It definitely yeah. like definitely keeps you hydrated, but it never makes you sick. And I always like tell people like, no, no, drink it. It's fine. Like nothing's yeah. going to happen. Um, but it's just, it's insane how that's like so customary. And yeah, I guess like it could be proven that that drink doesn't make you sick at all. So if you want to have it, anyone that's listening, drink that. It yes. won't make you sick at all. Keep you refreshed. <laughs> That's my salesman. Like antioxidants in it. There you go. There you go. That 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 should be your drink right there. <laughs> yeah. Do you drink it in the US or only in Paraguay? So I have like a bunch of like herbs. I have a a, a thermal, a, a big one yeah. actually. It's a um actually like you know the, the thing about in Paraguay as well, like everyone likes to customize their thermal, be it in yeah. Mateo Tere, so they like to obviously do that. When I graduated from Sacred Heart, I actually got one that had like the logo of Sacred Heart oh, and my cool. name and the name of Sacred like uh, University on it. And I think the colors of the Paraguay flag or something. So it's like, that's what I usually use. But yeah, no, this is, yeah, I always like drink it all the time. Um, not as much as I should, because I know it could be kind of a hassle to make it right. because like it, it could take a while. But yeah, I have like a bunch of like yerba, like just right in my like closet not closet but like in, in one yeah, of my your pantry. kitchen uh, pantries yeah, yeah yeah and i'm just like i gotta use that because it's like <laughs> it's been there for years and i've only had like certain days of mate like on any other day like not not now not now not now we're not we're not in hot weather right now at least here in, in connecticut where i'm based right. but certainly when it starts to get a bit more warmer yeah i think i'll have to start using it now just to to get myself more refreshed 
yeah, it's a ritualistic kind of endeavor to make the mate, to make sure it's good, like the, add the extra herbs and mm. like a ritualistic communal experience um, wherever you are, if you're drinking it with people or by yourself. I feel like it's a ritual, um, the process to prepare it and then also drink it. Mm-hmm. I agree. But um, talk to us a little bit about what any vision what is that podcast? Um, we mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, but um, mm-hmm. what's that about? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this was kind of something that yeah, I was thankful enough to really start working on about a couple of years ago. It, was, it came through the pandemic, I think, obviously, okay. when everyone was at home, you know, obviously kind of trying to to do something with their life. And, you know, some people go on TikTok and try to be dancers. I mean, look at them now. They're millionaires. So some people want to be successful. And maybe maybe I should have known that a couple of years ago. If I'd known that there was going to be a pandemic, that all you have to do is just make a bunch of videos of you dancing. You'll be funny. You'll be a millionaire in a couple of years. No idea why I didn't listen to myself then, but hey. Uh, but no, this was this was kind of an idea. for the future. There it is. Absolutely. So, you know, this kind of just came about because I guess, like, there really was, like, obviously like in podcasts like this one right now you know there's always something out there like you know mm. it feels like you can have like millions of podcasts on the same thing um being in sports um entertainment uh horror stories politics whatever mm-hmm. um there's always something out there and i guess like you know someone reached out to me in paraguay a good man a good guy by the name of Federico Perez, who works in Paraguay as like a as a journalist, I guess he started to hit me up and hit up a lot of people in the in the community and kind of just like, you know, how it is like when it comes to networking via Twitter or WhatsApp or whatever. Right. They just like he just hit me up and say, hey, you know, I have this idea. I think it would work well. I think we should definitely try it where mm-hmm. we can, you know, really do something about it and talk about Paraguayan football, soccer um, to a broader audience to people that can maybe are interested about it and yeah that's where we were able to get myself him two other co-hosts named one uh ralph hannah who is a he's an englishman that actually moved to paraguay back in 2006 he um lived there he married a paraguayan has two kids now they live in in Miami together and another first gen in Maria Britos. Um, she was another, well, she was, she was born in Paraguay. She moved to Miami when she was very young and she lives there as well. So yeah, it was kind of a mix of everything, like having someone of those roots, someone that is connected to Paraguay as a whole and then trying to reunite and to try to obviously speak about it mm-hmm. in a, in a broader scale. So yeah, that's kind of been what we've been doing over the last few years, just talking about it nearly every week, about what's been going on in, the Paraguayan leagues, the clubs, the players that are abroad, the national team, you know, obviously speaking about it during the time that we started was when the World Cup qualifiers were happening or when the Paraguayan national team was playing in the Copa America, you know, and mm-hmm. other teams participating each- against each other in in other competitions. So, yeah, it was something that, you know, certainly was really nice. And, you know, it kind of gave us an, an idea of being say like, hey, you know, we're the ones that we can give you know, Paraguayan soccer, a, a, a platform in a way that, you know, if, you know, there's always going to be someone out there that wants to talk about, oh, how is Miguel Miron, the, the player at Newcastle mm-hmm. doing or, or anyone else that's going on? Like, you know, we were there to provide that to you. And, you know, thankfully, we've actually had um, not not obviously big success, but like obviously like doing a lot of interviews with ex-players, with people mm-hmm. involved in the community, you know, hearing really interesting stories about Paraguay football as a whole that it kind of was kind of a a good learning experience to you know to hear people talk about their stories their careers their connection to paraguay because it always seems like there is something to them anytime they go there mainly positive for i'm I'm glad to 
to always talk about it. So it's always been that, uh, but also people that listen, you know, those that listen, we've actually had a, a uh, inter Miami scout. One of the teams in MLS actually was listening to our podcast because he wanted to, to learn about a, a certain player. So it's been kind of really interesting to, you know, you, you never know who could listen. Yeah. Like I didn't expect it. It was someone Ralph told me the, <laughs> A few weeks ago about that and i was like oh my god that's so cool and so i reached out i, I said hey you know thank you so much for for listening it's really uh, an honor that you guys are actually paying attention to it and it's like yeah yeah it's really good and and so it's like it's those kind of things it's like you know the fact that something i wouldn't say so you know minuscule or amateur but certainly something that i guess like you know just people talking as if though it's like in a bar or somewhere and now it's kind of just grown into saying like it could be determined to like whether or not a team could buy a player for their for their team so it's just like it's it's really cool and you know i am grateful enough that we're gonna you know hopefully do some more stuff this year where we you know really focus about it do some more interviews and, and really just get a perspective of what is paraguayan soccer as a whole because that is kind of really the 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 unity thing the thing that unites people in, in Paraguay. yeah there's always issues going on politically you know culturally sometimes and there's always things that go on that kind of obviously divide the country as a whole but you know when it comes to something like soccer where you know a lot of south american countries have that kind of you know similar path um they use it as kind of a way to to reunite to unite to have people congregate and, and to just utilize it, which, you know, is, is incredible to see how a simple sport can do that to you. So that's, that's what I've been kind of been doing with one any vision and hopefully that we can continue to go on with it um, for the next uh, couple of years. Yeah. I love, I love that there's a network that talks about Paraguay specifically because obviously there's not that much content out there um, discussing the country and also what comes out of the country and people abroad there's a lot of people all over the world who identify as paraguayan or paraguayan american or paraguayan european or whatever they have it um so that's awesome what would you um what advice would you give maybe a younger um student or a younger version of yourself um if you were to say um i wish i had known this back then Oh man, that's such a it's such a tough question because I think everyone's experience is so different depending on where they come from. But yeah, I guess the advice that I would probably give to someone is you know don't don't be afraid to to say that that you can't do it. Like you know mm -hmm. don't don't think that you can't do it is what I'm saying because you know I think one of the things that so many people go through is sometimes they think that they're not good enough and. Mm. You know, I think they are. I think everyone in this world, you know, I don't want to spot, talk spiritually, but, you know, in my We can belief, on this podcast. Oh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay, cool. Very All esoteric right. woo-woo. <laughs> there we go. No, I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a believer. I don't know if this is just coming from where I come from or just like, you know, learning from people who've been through it. But just, I, I think I'm a, I'm a firm believer in thinking that people have, they have something to them. And sometimes, right. you know, it's, it's difficult. Some people maybe don't figure it out, like straight on like it takes some months years a long time for them to figure out but there's always something out there that i think someone needs to to try to do and, and to to do good in what they are like yeah i think one of the advices that probably i would give to myself you know is you know i would say just you know be able to if, if i was you know younger or anyone speaking yeah, yeah. i think 
you know, don't be afraid to take those risks and opportunities because you never know what it could be like. Like I'm going back on, on Twitter as well. Like obviously <laughs> you speak about being verified and whatnot. I, <laughs> I got that. I got that because, you know, I, I just, I did my own thing. Like I was speaking mm -hmm. about what I like in, in soccer and, you know, I was able to work in different types of like freelance stuff, like working at like a sports blog and like mm -hmm. doing other stuff where I'm able to attend matches and that kind of gave me a, a network because, you know, it's such a, you know, I like to say that, you know, for some people, Twitter is like toxic. I'm like, oh, my God, why would anyone want to join that now? But <laughs> no, so it, funny, it, though. yeah, Twitter like hidden gem. It is. It really is like it. Yeah. It, there's like a bunch of humor, but also it's like somewhere where like for me, at least, you know, you it's network. where I've met can network. I've met colleagues. I've met friends. You know, I've met people that you know i would never have dreamed of doing if i made my when i made my twitter like 10 years ago just talking about <laughs> oh my god did you see what julie did yesterday uh, in high school no and now i've i've been able to really evolve into making a career for myself where you know i, I think everyone can utilize like if basically what i'm saying if i can do it why can't you i mean i, I don't want to go into the big cliche but it, it's really that i think yeah. Yes, there are people that sometimes get fortunate enough and that can go through different types of circumstances, um, sometimes lucky, sometimes unlucky, you know, sometimes feeling a bit spiteful um, because maybe you think, why should, why is that person getting it rather than I who have done all the work, have done what I've been able to do? You know, sometimes those are things you can't understand. And unfortunately, I don't think anyone could. And it's happened to me. It's happened to so many people that I've known, but I think one, what I would say is just like, keep at it, like continue to, to understand that you have something to you find something you're passionate about. There's always something out there. You know, I, I cannot really stress that enough. And if, if you want people to buy into it, you can, you, you, maybe you have to have something different about you. Like I said, you know, maybe what your personality is, you know, make yourself different. If you want to be, if you want to utilize humor to make yourself useful in like content or whatever you want to do it then do it if, if you are someone that's a bit more serious and you're more into that kind of perspective do it there is always something out there it's a big world it's a big yeah. world out there and i think that you know there again like i said there's something out there that whether people like it or not as long as people are interested and eventually it just it's it's just that one opportunity it's it, it all it takes is just that one person mm -hmm. to give you a chance and i was given that chance by people at when I first started out at, at Babel, the sports blog that I worked at from at B in sports at mm -hmm. NBC and now at the zone, it's always that opportunity that, you know, one can go back to and be grateful for and just utilize it from there on to, to be successful. I love that. Absolutely. Keep at it. Keep going. Um, do you have any advice specifically for Latino men who are in college or Latino men who are processing and navigating this I guess, worldly experience. I don't know how else to say it, like college, career, post-graduation, figuring out their yeah. lives because um, I think it's important to kind of center also um, different voices on my podcasts. And um, that's why I was excited to have more maybe like male Latinos talking about their experiences. And um, I've had mostly like female on, or female identifying people on my podcast. So um <laughs> I'm just curious if you have any specific like advice since I don't identify as Latino. <laughs> I can't speak to that experience is what I'm right. saying. Right. I understand. Um, yeah, this is, this is an interesting one, actually. Um, 
kind of a curveball basically but no i think um i think again like you know i think everyone has everything different and unique to each other i think as latinos like in my perspective as well you know we we are passionate in what we do um you know we come from a background of people that have been through so much depending on where you come from you know we always are the minority that's something that you know we might be the majority one day, but for sometimes we might be the minority to this day as well. You know, it happens to so many people. And I think more often than not, you know, if we at least like if, if I have to give some advice to, you know, Latino men that are listening, I think just, you know, continue again to, to be passionate and, and to utilize your roots to make something useful to yourself. Like, yes, you know, one can be very interesting in the way that they are, depending on where they come from, because I think the the lessons that one learns in life is basically based on how you've grown up the circumstances the the what makes you latino i think everyone has every right to feel proud about it you know big community 40 million of us in this country alone um we are obviously like a big community at the end of the day we might come from different countries we might have different customs we might have different ways of of viewing the world in any way but we still have something that it unites us and you know as latinos i think we we go through some so much kind of prejudice at times where we don't feel as if though we are valued enough and i speak this to not just latinos but latinas as well people who mm -hmm. from all different uh broads of 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 that race and, and ethnicity like it doesn't matter what you're from there's always going to be where we we give to the community we give to people in the united states as well that maybe sometimes we don't recognize it because maybe we, we just we're so focused on i guess this whole thing that we've been drilled on as, as our as a kid is like to be hardworking, to be disciplined to to know where you come from that sometimes you, you don't step by and, and like i said even in my perspective sometimes you don't like st uh, stay still and you're thinking wow we've done this i've done that i've made myself proud i've made you know even for myself like i've again like i said there's only a few of us in this country, 25,000, 35,000 35, Paraguayans alone. But I, I even speak to myself. It's like, I feel like I've contributed to something because I've done something that, you know, I've been able to kind of become something that, you know, Paraguayans can be proud of. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you don't see, you know, like for myself, I I always like to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Roberto from from Bridgeport. Like, you know, that's, that's always going to be me for, for everyone else. But, you know, some people I like to always say to myself, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be Paraguayan American. That's where I come from. I always like to tell people mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing. And I've, I've done interviews all over the world. I've done stuff on, you know, BBC, you know, from, you know, different types of networks. And I always like to connect that kind of thing mm -hmm. because sometimes, you know, you have to, you have to basically fly the flag. I would say fly both yeah. flags, both the American flag where you come from, um, what you've grown up in this kind of environment as a as an American, but also the other flag of where your family came from, where you learned your roots, how you've how that shapes you up as a person. And I think that's that's something that, you know, not a lot of people have the opportunity to have, uh, or at least maybe some people don't utilize it. And so I just think that as long as people just understand where you come from, how to utilize it and and to just become successful in that way, I think the the opportunities are endless like like i said beforehand I, I really wish like i had like a manual or or a list of or guidelines that say yeah if you do mm -hmm. this and you do that follow all the steps and yeah. you'll be successful <laughs> i wish it was like that honestly yeah, i would no. i'd be a i'd be a millionaire by then but no unfortunately <laughs> it's not like that but um it's 
yeah, it's 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 just that. Like honestly, just be proud of where you come from. Utilize that, and and there will people that will there will be people that will appreciate you for who you are. And you know, I think you know having something different to yourself and having that kind of um, having those roots. I think utilizing it is the most valuable thing that any Latino can can have in, in this world. Latino, Latino, whoever mm-hmm. to to be successful. I love that. That's so powerful to name and bring to the center of the conversation because I can say it all day, but if someone doesn't identify or like don't um, connect to my story, at least they can connect to your story or someone else's story. That's why I love having a variety of voices on the podcast. So thank you so much for showing up, Roberto. Oh, last question. Do you speak Guarani? Uh, yes, I do. Mishimi, mishimi. Yeah, there we go. Mishimi. I know some words. Again, it's funny. I've grown up in such a. Yeah, there we go. All of that. It's funny. Like I've I've grown up in a in an environment where both my parents have spoken English, Spanish. I say both, but like three languages: English, Spanish, yeah. and Guarani. I don't know how Guarani just never grasped me as different yeah, as easily it's a as tough Spanish. <laughs> It's tough to learn two languages at the same time. Imagine three, but no, I I, I do know some, and yeah, yeah. I, I try to to learn as much as I can yeah. because I feel like that's that's also like I said that, that that's what makes us unique as Paraguayans. Mm. Like we have this indigenous language that you know is is been really going back to to indigenous times and and pre-Columbian times. It's like that's something that is unique to us, and so no, mm. I think it, the fact that it's kind of been preserved after all these years is is incredible, and that you still see people speaking to it as well yeah it's an if for the for the listeners who don't know what i need is an official language in paraguay so you learn it in schools um i think all the way through high school um mm-hmm. you have to study it and at all schools like if you don't know this about me i when i lived in paraguay when i was younger i went to an american school but because it was an american curriculum in paraguay you also still have to learn what i need so I have some formal education, but I don't mm-hmm. practice it as often as I probably should. Um, so if you didn't know that, Paraguay is the only country that has um, the official language Guarani, Espanol in South America, Central America, and also the only country, one of the only few countries, I think there's only three in the world that have two escudos for their flag. Yes. Um, yep. So... Um, if you're listening and, you, and you're Paraguayan American, remember that you're really unique and special. And like Roberto said, utilize that to your advantage and show up and be seen and heard. And I think it's it's what you said earlier about we always want to make it known that we're Paraguayan American or come from Paraguay and our roots are from Paraguay because we are so few that it's important for us to like be seen and heard as Paraguayan American. So if you're listening, be proud of that. I hope you feel represented and uh, motivated through my story, through Roberto, through any other Paraguayan Americans showing up um, on the interwebs and being seen <laughs> and heard. So thank you so much, Roberto. Can you tell the people where they can find you and connect with you? I'll also put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for having me. It's uh, it's a real pleasure for me to speak about, you know, obviously my experience, my life and, and to give some advice and, and give back to the community as well. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much. And you could follow me on Twitter at Roberto Rojas 97. Um, don't worry, I, I am verified, but I won't bite. I don't I'm not those kind of like, I'm not that famous where I'm like, I'm like Elon Musk, where I'm always like, just like interacting and like, just posting out of nowhere. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm not yeah. like that. I, I promise. He's a real uh, yeah, person. I am real. Yes, I am not a. I'm not a. 
I am not a, um, a catfish or anything like that. I, I exist. <laughs> I'm not a bot. I'm not any of that kind of stuff. That, that this is this is all real. Um, but yeah, just follow me there on, on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Roberto underscore 1206. Uh, you know, obviously just doing my own stuff, posting about my life, obviously connecting it to Paraguay on, on both stuff. Again, check out my podcast, Guarani Vision, um, you know, on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, check it out there if you want to learn more about Paraguayan soccer as a whole. And and yeah, no, this is this has been great. This has been great, honestly. I had a really great time, and I'm glad that I was able to to share my story. And hopefully, that people can can take you know a bit of influence from it as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Until the next one, my friends. <laughs>